Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Inciting Moment Podcast coming back to you to once again remind you, now that we are actually going to be covering the events in question, it all just works, baby. It all just works. Uh, for those of you who may not get that immediately, that is a quote from the immortal speakings of Todd Howard. Todd Howard being a big name, big face, because goddamn, he does have a big face. A uh, very tall face, too, um, in the video game industry. Uh, he's responsible for being the figurehead of Bethesda, well known for Fallout. And what we're going to be doing today is uh, discussing how E3 2021 turned out. If I had to begin kind of giving my own thoughts. I thought it was pretty all right for what it was. Obviously, they had the limits of having to do everything remotely. But for what it was worth, uh, it was pretty all right. Uh, but before we get into that, who else is with me here? Hi, I'm Sam. What's up? My name is James. And I'm Scott. And this is the cast of The Inciting Moment. So, fellas, what did you guys generally think of uh, what E3 had to offer, just the overall presentation, but also what came out. Hmm. Overall, I mean, it was rather middling, I guess would be a good word for it. It, it hmm. wasn't incredibly impressive, but it wasn't like god-awful. It was somewhere in the middle. There were there was points to keep me excited, especially with like the Nintendo things, uh, Nintendo uh, uh, showcases. Especially with Breath of the Wild too, obviously, and there yeah. was there was there was a surprise or two in there. With uh, when we get into the Microsoft part, I'll go more into it. But overall, pretty middling with with some high points, of course. So personally, I I, I never get really too excited for the E three event itself, uh, and there was a lot less to look forward to this year, what as well, because like you said, it, it was all online so there really wasn't a physical event but uh i mean some of the stuff they announced was pretty cool uh not a lot of it i was super into but there were a few names that i i thought were pretty intriguing i enjoyed a good portion of it there were some of the presentations that i'm like yeah i don't really need to watch this i can only just laugh at the uh fuck-ups like uh ubisoft um, <laughs> um oh boy oh. and uh i enjoyed a very good portion of it there are a lot of games that i'm looking forward to there's my piece if we had to start anywhere why don't why don't we start with that ubisoft <laughs> kind of unsurprising that of a lot of the less than appreciated moments of this year's E3, Ubisoft was one of the biggest contributors. Comes as no surprise to me anyway. And I mean, Scott, if I had to kind of uh, kind of piggyback off of what you were talking about, what what were some of the bigger fuck-ups that you think they contributed to? Uh, I have them all on my screen right now. Why don't I tell oh, you? Oh, excellent. You jotted them down. Let's hear it. So, they first showed Rainbow Six Extraction, which looks awful. <laughs> Um, yeah. it is basically just, if you don't know, Rainbow Six Siege, but against zombies. 
Um, yeah, it's like a really light attempt at trying to uh, copy uh, Call of Duty's zombie mode, which is weird because it's like so late. They also filled a lot of the empty space with like the characters walking in like an empty uh-huh. road. It was really mm. weird. Um, they had a DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Clearly, uh, the highlight of that particular segment. Absolutely, yeah. like the yeah. one good thing they that showed. That was the funniest part. I, I I was thinking to myself, please don't tell me that is going to be the highlight. <laughs> please, you gotta try harder. They had a Far Cry Six Battle Pass, which has one interesting thing where you play as the villains from past games, which is neat. I like Far Cry, so I might look into that, but I doubt I'll pay a fat $50 for a season pass. Ubisoft also showed off the new Avatar game, which they've been working on for like five years, and they finally show it off. I forgot that they even had that. And they show no gameplay, just a in-game engine trailer. It looks pretty. I thought it was a movie trailer. No, no. <laughs> um, It looks pretty, but that's really about it. They didn't I show think any it would gameplay be or anything. If it were a movie, but uh, I, I guess that's what we're working with. Uh, I wouldn't. I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was literally just a tech demo, just to keep the IP of Avatar alive till the next movie actually comes out. Okay. I mean, that's what uh, Killzone Shadowfall was for the PS4. Oh, that was also to keep Avatar alive. Oh no, no, that was also that was a glorified tech demo that buried the Killzone franchise. Oh, love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> history repeat uh, itself. Oh, but of course. <laughs> First time's um, tragedy, second time's farce. Now, Gearbox really wasn't all that much better, uh, going off of memory and also what I have in my notes. Uh, the, the, the biggest takeaway I had from that, which is kind of saying something, is uh, Mr. Randy is always uh, looking as if he has snorted the longest line of cocaine, and I'm sorry, he needs to be contained if he's going to make future appearances. I mean, you talk about a previous trailer looking like a movie trailer. Didn't they literally announce a movie? No, no, they didn't announce it. They just showed behind-the-scenes footage. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's going on is there's a uh, there's a Borderlands movie that's uh, in production. No, they wrapped and... up uh, filming, by the way. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah. They're already in post? Yeah. Oh, They've been working geez. on it for a while. Clearly the announcement fast. really stuck with us that we didn't even know. <laughs> oh, I never forgot. Well, one thing I do know is that uh, I can't help but feel that um, one of the main characters from Borderlands, Roland, I, I feel like has been severely miscast. Played by Kevin Hart. Yeah. And here's the thing. I have very limited experience with the Borderlands games, but Roland always came across as, like, your typical stoic uh, gun-toting badass. badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they get Kevin Hart, who has nothing to him that would be able to competently portray that kind of character. I mean, he may surprise us, but I mean, you're correct on that. He's a co- he's primarily a comedy guy. He's he's the funny short black guy, for the most part. Uh, honestly, they should. I mean, this is more of a, like the Rock kind of role, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
We'll see. Unless they put him on stilts, then it'll work. Well, that doesn't Hell fix yeah. the comedy acting part, but I think that would just make it funny. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and really, the only other thing that I remembered about Gearbox was that uh, I was getting very annoyed by how many times they wanted to keep reminding me that Homeworld 3 was uh, was being worked on. And the problem was, was that each time that they, they mentioned this, which I think may have been like four or five times, maybe more... I lost count after that many. None of the little things going like, oh, hey, it's in production, told me what it was. I I, I don't know what the Homeworld series is. Don't worry, it's in production. Don't yeah, worry about Homeworld it. Homeworld 3 is Good in production, God. so now you know. Be excited for something you don't understand. Consume awesome. the product we are making. Well, that's just E3 in general, isn't it? The Bethesda and Xbox panel actually uh, surprised me a hell of a lot. All right, so in Bethesda and X I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take the power away. I'm just very excited. Go right ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Um, with Bethesda and Xbox, they showed off Starfield, which they could finally confirm the fucking release date. Mm -hmm. Is November 11th, 2022. And I'm very excited <laughs> um they had halo 3 or halo infinite multiplayer trailer <laughs> coming this year mm -hmm. that um, one surprised me the most yeah if i can take a minute to just explain that uh halo infinite had an awful debut trailer i think it was like a year or two ago and it looked like a title that would have come out on the original xbox back in like 2003 or something like that maybe 2005 late into its lifespan but it didn't look pretty so you can imagine my surprise when halo infinite gets another uh trailer at this year's e3 and it actually looks pretty damn fun it doesn't look uh alienating <laughs> like halo 5 did i thought aliens were the whole point of halo Yes, but not alienating. Ah. But they found that the portrayals of said aliens was very problematic, so we have to take some steps to alleviate that. You know, we, we do, after all, live in 2021. Yes, the current year. Plus, if they were trying to alienate, they would allow you to play elites. Sorry, continue, Scott. But they also showed off Outer Worlds 2 is in production. I didn't play much of the first one. Neither did I, but the trailer was pretty funny. Um, yeah. Sea of Thieves, Pirates of the Caribbean crossover. Yeah, Jack Sparrow's in a, another sinking ship. Sparrow. That'll be fun. <laughs> no, I don't want to. No, don't. No, not that one. Don't talk about five. <laughs> they showed off Stalker 2, finally. Very Fallout nice. 76 roadmap, if anyone cares. Um, that game still, like, no. exists. Yeah, apparently. Uh, wow. Yeah, um, when you have enough apologists. Well, you know, ESO still exists, going. so they have no excuse. Yeah, seasons four, five, six, and seven. Good yeah. God. God. That almost sounds like an Avatar 2, Avatar 3, Avatar 4, Avatar mm. 5. Ugh. Oh, yeah, speaking of Avatar, I forget if that was part of the Bethesda and Xbox, but I remember there being a reveal for an Avatar game, and I was more confused than excited? 
they do not want to let that franchise die. They've been saying they've been trying to make it into a a whole ass series for like since the first one came out. And they just yes, cannot read the room nowhere. that no one cares. No. They like, cannot. They have plans for like five Avatar movies. Yeah, I... yeah, that was at the Ubisoft. Oh, that was. Oh, what do yeah. you know? Trash being added to the trash. <laughs> it's just like, of all times, though, because uh, if we are to believe that that Avatar series is supposed to kick off the ground at some point, this is a very confusing time to release a game off of it because there hasn't been anything Avatar for, like, a while. And it's not quite like, say, Terminator or Star Wars, where uh, these franchises are so big and they're constantly being talked about or having supplemental material come out that, you know, you can just release a game out of the blue. I mean, it's almost like if uh, next week... For whatever reason, we have a a PS5 uh, exclusive video game adaptation of The Warriors <laughs> or something mm -hmm. like that, you know? And I mean, it was already weird enough that out of the blue, we just had a PS2 game based off of the movie come out of nowhere back in the day. It was a pretty good game, but it was also kind of weird of just like, well, where, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when it comes to, like, the other Xbox, Bethesda, all that other stuff, Forza Horizon 5, I remember looking at that going like, okay, I mean, it's still Forza, not much is changing, it's, it's, it's not one of those series that has to try all that hard to have, uh, subsequent games be solid, I mean, Cargo Vroom. New Battlefield yeah, looks that's, great. That's practically all you have to... Oh, Battlefield! That was the thing. I think you and I both saw that, Scott, oh, and yes. said, you know what? That is stupid levels of It cool, looks like Battlefield 4, and I'm so happy. <laughs> I, I loved how self-aware it was with that guy doing oh, the Oh, it absolutely was. It knows oh, what yeah. we want. <laughs> it knows what we need. It knows what we wanted for, like, three games. We're finally getting it. Mm -hmm. And I know we're crunched on time but i want to talk about one thing from the square enix real quick okay technically too uh yeah. guardians of the galaxy looks great and guardians life is strange looks yeah. awesome i'm so excited i'm so excited for the new life is strange oh yeah life is strange remastered collection yes yes it looks pretty yes. nice i guess and the more we talk about it the more positive we are about it game made yeah. me, game made me sad and i'm excited to play it again you know what? Maybe the C3 wasn't that bad. Maybe it was kind of like this little... It's something we kind of needed. Maybe not the return to normalcy we wanted, but at least yeah. I mean, it gives us something to look forward to, which is something that, you know, which is a positive quality all its own. We can oh, we can skip a Left 4 Dead ripoff if we want. <laughs> I mean, well, that was made by the devs, though, wasn't it? Is Left 4 Dead ripoff. Is it Left 4 Dead 3? No. no. <laughs> it's, it's back for, back blood, for baby. blood. I played it and it's god awful. I hate it. But yeah, Guardians looks cool. Yeah, it uh, Chaos the game looks hilarious. Yeah. I'm excited. My god, like it is Koei so Tecmo clear. Final Fantasy. I am I'm so, so sorry. Which game are you talking about? Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. It, it's basically oh, a remake. Oh, that of was Final the one Fantasy I was also one. excited for. That looks pretty neat. It's written, Koei Tecmo Final Fantasy 1. Written by the great. Kingdom Hearts dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the gameplay looks pretty alright, and the setting yeah. pretty neat. Uh, I don't know about Mr. Nomura touching the script, but okay. We'll, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. We'll see how it turns out. It's these big buff dudes in plain clothes shouting. Chaos! <laughs> That's all <laughs> it needs for me. To close things out, the last game that I'm excited for... And I know, Scott, you've talked about how you're not excited for it. Oh, no. Uh, Babylon's Fall. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. I'm looking forward to it. Because that's Platinum, if I'm not mistaken. And Platinum rarely does wrong. Yeah. And when they do do wrong, it, at worst, is forgettable. At worst. But it still has something to enjoy Babylon's Fall is the exact kind of game I was really hoping from them, which was their similar in-depth hack-and-slash mechanics, but mm -hmm. in a mainly fantasy setting. And I love it, because they've mainly done sci-fi and pretty much modern-day kind of stuff with, like, um, Bayonetta. Well, I, no, Bayonetta had some fantasy stuff in it, but semantics. Pure fantasy. Yeah, I with get a you. more medieval kind of uh, esque thing going on, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. It is a live service, but it it just looks so cool. I'll be the judge of whether or not the live service kills it or not when it actually comes out. Uh, and back for blood. I, I, I I'm saying this now. It's going to be forgotten. It's going to be dead within very little time. It's made by Turtle Rock. It's gonna be dead within the week. Because <laughs> it's just such a blatant ripoff of Left 4 Dead, down to, like, the mechanics, mm -hmm. the zombies that you can play as, and just the fact that you can do a versus mode between humans and zombies. I mean, it's just so unapologetic. And the only reason it's not shut down because of a cease and desist, from my understanding, is that uh, Valve just doesn't care. <laughs> Yeah, they make too much money to care. Look, if Hunt Down the Freeman can happen, then I don't think exactly. Valve's going to ever take anything <laughs> down. That's true. Hunt Down the Freeman was a legitimate ripoff of Half-Life. Mm -hmm. Ripoff? It was in the same setting. Yeah, and they still, they still tried to rip it off. But, to close this out, overall, I am, I want to say, satisfied. Mm -hmm. I'm not super happy with what came out. But at the same time, I can say, you know what? For what they were able to do, E3 was pretty solid. There's been better years for E3, but this was pretty solid. These have been just some strange years, so we'll take what yeah. we can get. Indeed. I would have to mm. agree. I quite enjoyed my time with this E3. You know what I enjoyed my time with? Perhaps one of the greatest patriotic movies of all time. Oh, made yes. in, the, in the year of our Lord, 1996. We took off July 4th, but we still decided to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Yes, as a means of giving back to the people for not uh, recording on Independence Day. We are, of course, going to be talking about one of the biggest summer blockbuster films to come out within the 90s. That being Independence Day. I think this is one of the few movies where uh, most people, when when they are asked to uh, speak on their thoughts of Independence Day, they just aren't allowed to hate it because it's just too good. Yes, <laughs> if good, I'm being yes. honest. Look, 
what <laughs> does this movie not have? It's got one of the best holidays of all time with mm-hmm. Will Smith in the 90s Will Smith. It's got yeah. Bill Pullman Prime as the motherfucking president. It's got oh. Jeff Gosh Diddly Darn Goldblum. It's got everything. Oh, yeah. It's got yeah. aliens. It's got Americans. It's got other countries for a little bit because, you know, they're apparently on this planet with us, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they were in there. <laughs> I'd argue, with the exception of maybe War of the Worlds, this is the quintessential alien uh, invasion film. Absolutely. Oh, yes. It's a classic for a reason. It's, oh, yeah. so, it's so pure and simple in its intent. There's no cynicism to it. Uh, the, I'll just say his last name. But then, uh, it, I mean, there's like I said, there's no cynicism to it. It's just pure. Hey, these aliens—they don't. There's no. There's no gray in this. It's black and white. These aliens came here to fuck us out of what's ours, <laughs> and they are bad and evil, and they should give us their oil. <laughs> kill them all. <laughs> kill them. Kill them all. It's, uh, it's still surprising just how well this movie paints this large-scale event essentially happening all around the world and uh part of that also comes from the ensemble cast of just all of these different characters that are uh halfway across like countries and stuff like that yet they're all experiencing this you know worldwide phenomenon as well as uh imminent destruction as well um which let's just start there um the cast how can you go wrong Perfect. with picks like this? Oh, that's a star-studded this, lineup right it's there. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. The quintessential lineup for, for 90s uh, summer blockbuster, honestly. I mean, yeah, Ian, you're completely right. I mean, they saw, I don't know how they did it, but they just picked basically exactly what... They knew what they were going for with each person, and they nailed it. Mm-hmm. And let's just be completely honest with ourselves, just for you know, a little spoiler's head... For like the next fifteen minutes, we'll be gushing over this movie. In case you haven't already <laughs> understood that, but of course. Sorry, I, I said my piece. You guys know what I think, but there, please, there, why do you, why do you guys think this movie's great? <laughs> Go ahead. There, there's a reason why I watch this movie every year. Mm-hmm. The cast is one of them, and mm-hmm. Bill Pullman's speech is oh. so good. The day we celebrate our Independence Day. For most of the movie, uh, you know, if you were to look at it critically, you could say, oh, yeah, script's not the best. And then that speech comes up, and it's just like, oh, okay, all right, never it mind. It hits you out of nowhere, like, and it, it, it takes you for a ride. I was feeling the flow for a while, but then, yeah, that script hits, and it's like, okay, I get it. It gets you pumped, yeah. and that's what it needs to do. Plus, like, the dogfighting is awesome. The dog oh, yeah. fights yeah. in this movie are awesome. Uh, most of the time. It, if it's not clear, we're, we're not going to be the most coherent, because I don't know if anyone really has anything bad to say about this. No, like, <laughs> no I, I have is, nothing uh, bad to say about this movie. I, I think I'm the only one, but it honestly just does nothing in terms of detracting from the overall enjoyment of the movie. Mm-hmm. I guess the only negative thing I can say, I guess, it's, it, it is obviously... A very American perspective movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I don't think you're really going to get the same feeling watching this movie if you're from Europe or uh, Africa. You know, it's it's maybe not. 
because like we said, I mean, this, this is pure Americana. <laughs> there's, there's no way to hide it. That is a negative in its own right because it doesn't really look too much at how the other countries are going through it. But granted, that's not the point. This you is... kind of forget that there are other countries being affected by this. Yeah, that speech mentions this is not an American holiday, but we only really see America anyway, so. Mm -hmm. Which kind of made me think, like, if they involved more people from overseas from different countries, I think the final battle may have gone a little differently. <laughs> I mean, I, I do remember they, they I mean, at the, at the end, it's the Americans who say, okay, we're, all the, all the other world, uh, countries in the world, we're going to do this big, massive attack because we're going to send a, a cold, essentially, into the, uh, the um, alien systems and the shields will go down. And that's the only really, that's the only moment it really comes together. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, this is America. We're going to lead everyone into this final assault because America, fuck yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, if I can also talk on one other thing that, uh, for as much as I enjoy this movie, and this is probably me. I don't know how many people are going to have so much of an issue with, depending on what they look for in movies, but I, I'm sorry. I, I think that they should have come up with something a little different than a, a fucking computer virus destroying the, uh, the main systems of the mothership. If we're talking computer virus, how is a Earth-made computer virus going to have any effect on a alien spacecraft that likely uses completely different technology. Well, let me front you this. What would you have suggested they did? I would have suggested that they have some kind of earth-bound material, whether it be a substance or a uh, mineral or help, maybe even something uh, energy-based like electricity or plasma or something like that. And it has an effect on the main shields of the uh, the ships that are destroying different cities all around the world. That could have been one way that you get around having to <laughs> to, to 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 do a a computer virus. Yeah, yeah. But hear me out. They got to uh -huh. fly into the alien ship and blow it up from the inside. That's pretty fucking uh -huh. cool. <laughs> that is fucking cool, but I feel like there could have been something else besides a fucking computer but, virus. But Ian, big ship go boom. Through the power of America, <laughs> I know! all things are possible. I know, but you can still have that without having a stupid computer virus. You know, I I do agree. It is a bit silly, know, but I mean... you know what? If, if I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, I mean, I guess you could say it's almost like a, a reference to uh, War of the Worlds. In which it was is a quote unquote a cold, a sickness that took down the aliens, and it's a similar situation here except it's computer based. But that's me just oh, trying yeah. to defend this movie and ships going boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, this is not trying to take itself that seriously anyway. It's this is a a big spectacle movie that's just trying to show you like fuck yeah humanity fighting against the like blatantly evil aliens <laughs> mm -hmm. you are likely going to be too distracted to really care about wait a second a computer virus is what's gonna save the day what, what do you want from us we want you to die <laughs> uh, okay thanks i do want to say ian i mean you got a point you really do i mean script can always be a little bit deeper and i can't argue with that mm -hmm. but sometimes 
the script just wants to be what it is. And sometimes it is, is, is it silly? Hell yeah. Is it schlocky? Oh yes. Is it badass? Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm <laughs> not denying yeah. that. Honestly, I'm not denying that. And, uh, the actual filmmaking portion of this, well, film was also superb. I thought that it was shot pretty well. I thought a lot of the practical effects were solid because uh, this was still <clears throat> in the day and age where, like, if you were to have, say, for example, uh, one of the more famous uh, scenes from this movie being when the White House is blown up, mm -hmm. that was still during the day and age where if you want to blow something up like that, you're going to use a miniature and shoot it in high frame rate <clears throat> so that the explosion looks like it's a large scale one. And it's not like like a little dust of uh, fire that happens for like a second. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because frankly, that practical effect work still holds up. And there's been a couple of movies nowadays that still rely on that, which I prefer because I don't like the idea of just doing that kind of stuff with, uh, with CGI. Because mm -hmm. again... The illusion just seems a lot more convincing when you go with something actually physically there. And uh, I have to agree with Scott. Some of the best parts are when you have the dogfight uh, scenes with the fighter jets going up against the yeah. knocked TIE fighters. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. Damn. If I can be devil's <laughs> If I can play devil's advocate. Uh, most of the time. Because uh, whereas I was huge on the miniature uh, work, I kind of wish they did the same thing with the fighter jets. Which, granted, they, they do a decent job of still using physical fighter jets, uh, actually flying through real-world skies. The problem I have is that there's too often times where they use CG for a lot of it. Which, granted, using real-world fighter jets for that kind of stuff is expensive. But the 90s still saw a lot of miniature work with, like, spaceships and even uh, other fighter jets. And I would have liked to see a lot of the practical effect work that was done with the buildings also with the fighter jets. Because if I had to pinpoint something that I thought was off with the CG work with the ships, uh, primarily the fighter jets, it looked a little off because there wasn't a whole lot of motion blur on the actual uh, jets themselves. And what I find interesting is there is another example of CGI fighter jet-esque work that actually came out the following year, that being the special edition of A New Hope, where they redid certain shots during the final battle of the Death Star uh, with CG. Uh, and it looks a lot more dynamic. But what was uh, cool about that stuff and why that CG work still holds up today, they simulated motion blur. They would calculate, okay, so this thing's moving this fast past this virtual camera uh, with this kind of shutter speed. How do we simulate the actual motion blur to sell that it's actually there? Independence Day does not look like it did that. And again, certain shots look better than others. But I thought that if they were able to implement that kind of thing, which, as far as I'm aware of, was capable in 1996, it would have sold it more for me. But then again, much like other aspects of this movie, a little too distracted to care sometimes. 
Yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, like big iconic shots in this film. Like uh, we mentioned before, the the White House getting destroyed. That's probably the instantly recognizable. That could really have been the the poster for the film, honestly. Uh, oh yeah. Or the the scene of I'm blanking on the dude's name, but like the the kind of drunk fighter pilot guy who just flies straight up into the ship. I'm back. Oh my god, that's the other thing. This movie is so damn quotable. It very yeah. much is. It just helps cement it into uh, pop culture and why so many people nowadays still remember Independence Day. And thankfully, Independence Day, even though I would have assumed it would have been a potential victim of this, hasn't gone through a remaster that uh, does the ever-so-annoying orange and teal color grading and remove all of the contrast in the image to the point where it just looks so washed out, uh, like it has with, like, Aliens or Terminator or Star Wars. Uh, Thankfully, it looks like uh, something that would have come out in the 90s, which, as I've said before, if you're going to re-release a movie... That's how I prefer it to be, and if you want to have a alternative look to it, maybe make a different release, you know, so that you have the original um, representation of that. Uh, but otherwise, <clears throat> yeah, Independence Day. Really can't be mad at it. No, I mean, it's just, yeah, don't know what else to say. It's a good movie. It's a good holiday. Patriotic. Gotta love that shit. Kind of nice to get something without all the cynicism of today, you know? Oh, yeah. This is one of those movies you throw on to, like, go for a change of pace, if you know what I mean. You know, kind of switch up what you've been watching. Yeah, yeah, because you could, I mean, that's completely right, yeah. You go from uh, really complex, you know, filmy film movies, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To something simple. And then we go right back to these complex movies, kind of like, well, Flatland. Yeah. <laughs> for for a movie about two-dimensional beings, there's a there's a lot of angles to go at this film. <laughs> a bit maybe a bit too many, but we'll we'll talk about that as we go. Yeah, yes. let's 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 talk about our feature presentation that was recommended to us by uh by James. Uh James, give us a a brief idea of what this movie is about. Of what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. So what, this... what 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 the fuck is going on, and why you picked it of all movies? I was really lost watching the movie, so please elaborate. <laughs> this movie is a bit of a mess. I will grant that. But uh, first off, I I didn't want our first animated film to be just some like kitty film. I I I'm always of the opinion that animation can tell a story just as well as any other type of medium. And mm-hmm. uh, this this is a film, I feel, that could only really tell its central story with animation. Uh, but the typical story that we're dealing with is... Uh, we, we explore the second dimension and how all the people living in it could theoretically have to live their lives. Uh, they're, they're going about their day. We get to see how their society works, their, uh, political issues and other strange dealings. 
and then a creature from the third dimension. Uh, the the two dimensional beings are all literal shapes, like a square, a triangle, a pentagon, with a hierarchy inside. In which oh, the big more, time! The more angles oh, you have, the better you are. Essentially, I believe is what it was. Yeah, uh, circles are like perfect beings because they theoretically have infinite sides to them. But then mm-hmm. a sphere, a three-dimensional sphere, comes in and tries to tell them, no, no, hold on, there's a higher plane of existence, a third dimension, and you have to share that with the world. And that's when things kind of go insane. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's the basic synopsis. I mean, I would uh, love to see live actors for this. Like, a live acting you know, square. Oh, fuck yeah, just put people in shape costumes. It'll uh, achieve the exact same effect. So bef- before we go too deep into this, there is one thing I would like to make clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this film is based on a novel. But From it, it's 1888. Based on yeah, 1884. Oh, 1884, my bad. And uh, a lot of the mentalities from that era are kind of shining through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I can tell so. there's a lot of confusion over this film, so I don't know if we want to get general opinions out first before we go a little more in-depth, or should we just yeah, kind of try let's, to let's, let's, uh, put it under the microscope? Let's go with that. Okay. okay. General thoughts. So, it's a very unique film, I'll give it that. It's got a unique premise of this 2D going to 3D aspect. I did enjoy it for its uniqueness of perspective. And mm-hmm. at first, I was obviously, I was, I was very put off, which is the idea, because it's literally just a 2D plane of squares and whatnot, squares, triangles, circles, and whatnot. But I, what really drew me in was, the, the believe it or not, the characters, which is <laughs> weird to say. But, I mean, all these shapes obviously have personalities and whatnot, and it, it wasn't really until the king the king circle came up that I really kind of started going, okay, what's going on here? And the film constantly almost like taunts the viewer by saying, Hey, did you pay attention to that? Scene? Like it'll just pause for a second and the black screen will show up and a little text saying, Hey, did you pay attention to this part? Or Hey, this part's important. You better pay attention. Yeah, there's and a weird, like silent narrator throughout the film. Only for like the first half though. Not even like after like the first half an hour, 45 minutes, it just leaves. But the more you go into the movie, the crazier it gets and the more interesting it gets. Because it, what I didn't realize until a good hour in is the satirical nature of the film itself. It's not a commentary on Flatland itself. You know what I mean? It's 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 Flatland and 3D Land are just kind of like a representation, I guess, of our world in a way. Because what's a constant theme throughout this movie is... Um, people's viewpoints and how their perspectives change the way they look at things because flatlanders only know flatland mm-hmm. they don't know line land which is another thing and linelanders don't know about flatland and when the sphere comes in saying hey there's this 3d land the flatlander thinks he's crazy because he can only see the circle part of the sphere he doesn't see the other aspect and that's a constant thing throughout the film is perspective um, but, but overall, it's just, we're just doing general thoughts. It's, it's a very, like I said, a very unique, interesting film. 
um, not very, it's not Independence Day where you could watch it like three times in a row or, you know, something like that. But <laughs> no. it's, it, it's got some things to say. And if you really listen to it and really look, it's the more you get out of it. Yeah, if I had to piggyback off of what uh, Sam was kind of bringing up, uh, the idea of perspective, uh, both in terms of uh, vision perspective, but also perspective in terms of how you perceive the world around you, I will definitely say by far the most interesting part about this movie is the idea of uh, realizing that there is a higher plane of existence, that there is a whole other part of the world that you just aren't aware of. It plays into a um, a question that I, I didn't even think would have provoked so much thought. That being, if you are a person of a higher plane of existence, how do you explain that to someone that is not of that plane? And that proves to be, by far, the biggest hurdle, the biggest obstacle in the movie for uh, the main protagonist, that being A-square... Um, mm -hmm. wonderful Esquire. naming convention that the Flatlanders have. <laughs> and uh, not just how the the character that essentially brings him into this uh, A-sphere uh, sort of reveals all this information to him, but also how A-square tries to uh, spread the word of the third dimension to the uh, inhabitants of Flatland. You know, how he gets around doing that because you have these people that have such a narrow point of view in the world that uh, if if you try spreading this kind of talk of a third dimension, you will be seen as an insane person. And I will definitely say that that is by far the most um, thought-provoking part about the movie and the part that did make me think, oh, well, I, I, I really want to know how these characters get across this information and how they sort of battle each other's uh, mindsets and stuff like that. With that said, I can't say if it's a movie that I'll want to watch again. I think uh, I'm content yeah. with only having seen it once. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, Scott, buddy... Yes. Me. What are your Hello, thoughts? Hello, yes, on it? I exist. Um, do do you though? I wish I didn't, but anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just, I just. Um, yeah, I also had notes about the perspective thing too. Um, but if we are going, are we allowed to go into spoilers? I, I right now okay. we're doing just general thoughts. Uh, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll get a larger discussion in a minute. Um, yeah, it is really interesting how it conveyed uh, how different people had different perspectives of their own, basically, social space. Um, how you can, mm -hmm. people look down upon other people as if, like, they're lesser people, basically, because they look, I mean, I took it away as, like, since they look different, they're basically treated as different people. Such as with the mm -hmm. colored shapes uh, versus the not colored shapes versus the um, 3D, three-dimensional inhabitants versus the flatlanders versus the linelanders. How they all like look at each other like basically differently. And yeah, that was just mm -hmm. my big takeaway how you don't just judge 
someone based on how they look? So, obviously, uh, I guess we can move in a little more. There's a lot of allegory. Uh, some could say, you know, there's yeah. a lot of, like, religious in particular, uh, just through the nature of higher beings and all that. Uh, the thing that always gets to me is no matter high or how high or low you are in the space of the universe, there's always someone claiming to be perfect. Like they are the ideal that has to be matched. And then yes. when someone from a higher plane comes in, they have to contest with it. And almost always it turns to violence. It's like, no, no, I... I cannot conceive of something better than me, therefore you must die. Yeah, it's almost like an... This may be a a weird phrase to use, but like an escalation of mimicry in which the 2D space, like you guys said, have the the colored ones. The the, the lines, the colors and whatnot. The the chromatists. Which ends in violence. (laughs) Big time. And even in the the 3D world, which is supposed to be, you know, this grander place where people are more understanding, there's this... the, The two political parties... And they, they escalate to violence and nuking each other at the end. Which is, mm-hmm. so we, again, the movie's pretty dark. Like, once you actually think about it, it's incredibly dark. The violence, while not graphic to us, because these, these squares being chopped in half, is, I mean, still pretty graphic. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's that very was... brutal to them, but we don't see it as brutal. Yeah, because the thing is, like, yeah, these, these, these worlds are different in terms of, like, their Ds, if you will. But they're, they're exactly the same, just from different perspectives. That's what I was getting at, yeah. Despite people claiming to have the perfect ideal, it, all the worlds are fucked. Like, we, we mostly see it in Flatland, but, like, they have a hospital where they literally beat out the imperfections in children. They Hey, hey only some of them die. only some don't worry only some of them don't worry your kitties are gonna be mostly fine they the the anyone with a point can basically just sever people just by walking into them especially the women since all the women are just yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah they have you know i i I will say that mm -hmm, i will say that uh through a lot of the allegory in the uh the film uh, it does make me realize and appreciate just how well the world of uh, not just Flatland, but just the universe that they live in uh, is set up. Because much like we've talked about, um, people's almost worth is dependent on like how many sides they have. Spe- uh, uh, circles are seen as perfect because they have infinite sides. Uh, same thing with spheres because they have like a whole multitude of things and they're three-dimensional you know triangles are often seen as soldiers because well they have a point and they can literally cut someone in half when you really look at it it's it's both kind of funny but also especially if you take into account that uh you're an inhabitant of flatland and you realize that there's a higher plane of existence it seems so dehabilitating when you realize how much they are restricted in what they're able to perceive. Because what I found so funny when I keep thinking back to it, when you have these shapes uh, conversing with one another, the movie opens by explaining uh, how because the inhabitants of Flatland are, well, flat, 
they literally only see if they are looking at another flatlander a line in front of them a vertical line and that's all that they can perceive of each other yeah. and i'm just like that's both funny but also sad you know obviously talking from someone who is of course of the higher plane of existence the three dimension probably my favorite part of this movie in general is the world building and how they establish like how everything works like because everything is flat there's no depth or anything in order to mm -hmm. open or lock a door you physically remove the handle and just like leave it outside <laughs> or yep uh like you said that a, a part of the beginning of the movie is uh a square just teaching his son how to see how to perceive things in this world and again it's so funny yet so sad <laughs> I think one of the other bits of world building that, uh, you know, when you really think about when this novel came out, uh, how the world of Flatland uh, handles the female inhabitants, because females, by design, are lines. They are not shapes. Uh, and because they are lines, normal uh, male Flatlanders, they can't actually see them. So in order to actually alert people as to where they are located, females have to have this alert shriek so that Peace they cry. can hear where they are and essentially work through uh, a very primitive echolocation to tell where their females are at. Because otherwise, females can literally walk right into Flatlanders and kill them. <laughs> Which is why oftentimes when females get very irrational and, uh, uh, you know, enraged, uh, the response that many of the Flatlanders have is, Oh no! The woman's angry! <laughs> oh no, woman! Yeah, it's yeah, pretty silly. There's, there's a lot of, uh, and again, I have to assume this comes from the time, uh, slight misogyny, yeah. I guess? Slight? You think so? Well, it's weird, because, I mean, obviously, whoever wrote this, uh, hold on, I had the name, Edwin A. Abbott has some very mm -hmm. interesting takes on women, but oh. they're also, like, due to the way the world is set up, they are both put in a position where they have to be monitored and put in carefully, but... Also, if they aren't, they're basically the strongest beings in Flatland. Right. But the only problem with uh, at least how the world is set up, most of the women, unless uh, they're deemed the insane and irrational ones, they're often portrayed as like being dim-witted. And because they have to constantly shriek in order to um, alert people that, hey... Uh, I'm walking through, watch out, or else I'll kill you. Yeah. Uh, the, narrator, the narrator even says, oh yeah, because of this, uh, they are extremely annoying. No, I get that. And again, that's clearly something that comes from the times. Mm -hmm. Granted, I don't know what the allegory for... Oh yeah, no, women can just eat themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was about to say yeah, that. that was, uh... <laughs> That was yeah. a scene. I didn't know if I should have been like, oh, geez, what's going on? Or if I'm supposed to be like, what? 
What? I'll, I'll admit, I understand a lot of this movie, because there's a lot to say. I don't know what that, mm-hmm. that scene was trying to tell us. But uh, overall thoughts? It was a fever dream. Mm-hmm. So did you guys enjoy this fever dream, though? Uh, for what it was, yes. However, much like I've said before, because of how much of a fucking fever dream it is, I don't know if I would uh, re-watch it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe my mind will change, and I'm like, you know what? That had me thinking. I want to think again. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell if, like, the, the, the movie's misogyny comes from the perspective of trying to be satirical, or if it's I think just so. being misogynistic. It's hard to tell. I'm glad we're getting into this now, because there's a reason I chose this movie specifically because there is another film adaptation of flatland but mm. it was made for children oh so more death oh. and i don't know how they could tell this story while like you know narrowing it down for kids um one second i actually have something on this that i found yeah. Um. Is it? It's from Wikipedia. To be fair, but it's it's specifically talking mm-hmm. about the misogyny angle. Um. Let's see. Abbott has been accused of misogyny due to his portrait of women in Flatland. In his pres- preface to the second and revised edition, 1884, he answers such critics by emphasizing that the description of women was satirizing the points, uh, the viewpoints held, stating that the square was written was writing as a historian as he identified himself perhaps too closely with the views generally adopted by flatland and as he has been informed even by spaceland historians in whose pages until very recent times destinies of women and the masses of mankind have seldom deemed worry worthy of mention and never of careful consideration so just a little thing i found funny because we were just talking about it so i i believe it it, it is a perhaps more satirical in nature than it is straight uh, women bad you know yeah do you think that viewers nowadays if they were to watch this film may not uh pick up on the fact that it's satirical i well that's what i was saying earlier it's the the world portrays women as you know not only you know annoying and weird but again dangerous like I, I feel like if it was truly anti-women, they'd just call them completely useless and not worth, like, acknowledging. But the fact mm-hmm. that they have that dichotomy of they are they are thin and annoying, but they have to be, otherwise they would murder people. Yeah, I don't know if that's more like, positive yeah. or negative. Yeah, like, that's uh, what's weird. That's... Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think what could have potentially kept people from perhaps taking that angle... Uh, the wrong way is if at some point in the movie they went a little further in trying to communicate hey listen thinking of women that way that's actually bad you and know? we should also i should also point out in the narrative a square's wife does save his life true um but and yes. that's not overall what the movie's about and in general my thoughts of the movie are I, I did like it i would agree with ian it's not something i'm going to like perhaps really ever watch again i do think it's very fitting for a school setting very interesting thing to show probably like middle schoolers or high yeah. schoolers. yeah yes definitely this is a I, film worth a lot of discussion but i think we'd also shut up a lot of the students too because uh 
they they I can't picture anyone not trying to understand what's going on and be like, what is this? I have to know now. This is the second time I'm seeing this film, but it is, a, I do agree, a film that you should probably only see once. I just wanted to, it's one I want people to see, but not one I want people to love, if that makes sense. Yeah, while watching it, I just feel like I was supposed to be writing a paper. True. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, Scott, what do you think? I will have to agree that I enjoyed my time with it, but for what it's worth, I would probably only see it once. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so recommended, but only once. Speaking of recommendations, though, Scott, I believe it's your turn. It is my wrong. turn, yes. So, so what would you recommend for next week? It is an animated film. Ooh. Ooh, keeping the ball training. Boko uh, no Pico, the film. <laughs> no, no. Hold on. Ah, ah, no! <laughs> the sequel. Don't Google that. Um, we, I recommend we should watch Megamind. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That's a fun <laughs> one. Perhaps a little le- uh, more lighthearted than this film. <laughs> I don't know if we could get any less lighthearted than this film. Yeah, a little more lighthearted, but from what I remember, because uh, it's been a, a hot minute since I've seen uh, Mega Mind, still a movie that kind of poses a question for discussion in terms of a particular topic, that being uh, the dichotomy between hero and villain. Uh, but that's a discussion for when we have our episode. But until mm-hmm. then, of course, this has been. Okay, someone else finished. The Inciting Moment Podcast. Thank you. Boom. Woo! We did it. Yeah! (laughs) All right. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.